Welcome back, everybody, to the Below Average Joe's MMA podcast, episode number 101. Oh, man. <laughs> what We have now crossed the top of the mountain, and now it's time to start climbing our way to the next hilltop. Am I right? On the way to 200, I guess is how it works. <laughs> yeah. So uh, today is Friday. means it's the end of another week. Dominic, how are you feeling right now? You know, again, just past episode 100, video podcast. Uh, we were able to unveil all that. We've been having to hold it in for a while now. What you, how are you feeling? How are the emotions settling in? Dude, I, I was having a field day on Wednesday. It was so mm-hmm. much fun. We got a lot of positive feedback, and everybody seemed to love the big announcement. And I think we still caught a lot of people off guard, which is cool. We teased it quite a bit. It became pretty obvious. But <laughs> it, anybody, anybody who was surprised, I would say you probably weren't paying attention much to our social media. <laughs> this is true. This is true. But, yeah, man, I mean, we had a blast. Uh, I think episode one went pretty well for two guys mm-hmm. just throwing it all together. And now you, we've done so much experimenting the past 48 hours, just you and me. We've got so many big plans and already improvements that are going to be seen in this episode. I'm excited. I am too. And I think we might as well just kind of get straight into it. I'm ready to talk about these fights. But first, we got to talk about the news. The news. We start with our fight announcements in the middleweight division. Number eight, Uriah Hall taking on number 11, Sean Strickland. This is happening on August 7th at UFC 265. We got two fight announcements for the same event here, but starting at middleweight, Dominic, I think this is a low-key banger of a matchup, one that a lot of people on paper look at Uriah Hall as the favorite, but do not sleep on Sean Strickland. The guy is a killer coming up right now. Oh, he's got to be one of the most underrated men, not only in the middleweight division, but the entire UFC roster. This guy's a great striker, (laughs) and obviously we know Uriah is such an incredible counter striker in his own right. It has the makings to be a banger, just like you mentioned. And honestly, both guys – Pretty solid pass to victory, but it's going to go through the feet. That I think we know for sure. You would have to imagine. I mean, there's still a lot kind of we're finding out about Sean Strickland kind of each fight out there, and he he's continuously passes each test. Um, I'm really big on him right now. Uriah Hall, though, this is the guy at one time looked at as when he was on the Ultimate Fighter years ago, he was the guy to take out Anderson Silva potentially. Yeah. Hasn't ever really reached that potential, but – we see flashes of it so much. I mean, he even beat Anderson Silva like everybody. An Anderson yeah. Silva that was been through more wars and defeats and things like that. I know it hurts you to uh, – uh, But, pain. you know, he's he shows these flashes, and it's just uh, can he put it all together? Yeah, and I think yeah. he can't – he might not ever really be that guy for, uh, you know, for four or five fights in a row, but I think he can be that guy for one. That's true. That's a good way to put it, man. And Sean Strickland really putting it all together right now. He's been putting on great performances, coming off of a decision win. Uh, and he's on a tear right now, I think four or five in a row. Obviously, this is going to be his biggest named opponent, his biggest opportunity. Uh, and it's on a pay-per-view card. I mean, it, it's a great fight, good stylistic fight, and I'm very excited for that. And we called this, though. I got to toot our own horn just a little bit. Yeah, we did kind of call this after their last performances. And um You know, it's always nice to when we're matchmaking like that every week that we can get it right every once in a while. When one comes to fruition, it's like, all right, we're pretty good at this thing. And then (laughs) forget about like the 20 that never happened. That's all right. Yeah. Moving on. Same event, August 7th, UFC 265, Bantamweights, number five, Jose Aldo going up against number eight, Pedro Munoz. Dominic Aldo finally got his first win in the Bantamweight division over Marlon Vera back in December. That was a necessary win to kind of keep himself afloat here. Now he's back on track, going up against number eight, Pedro Munoz, who came coming off of a really good fight with Jimmy Rivera. Yeah, oh, and, man. I mean, Munoz is kind of, kind of another guy that's kind of fallen back under the radar after having maybe his big moment when he knocked out Cody Garbrandt back in, I think it was UFC 235. And, might um, be spot on. After kind of losing that main event to Frankie Edgar, a fight I thought he won. Same. It seems like people kind of started to sleep on him a little bit again. But here is another big moment. Jose Aldo still, uh, we're kind of unsure really how much of a contender or a pretender he really is at Bantamweight. Yeah. Uh, Munoz is all game, though, and I, I, I think this is going to be a fun fight. 
Oh, that I mean, this should be an absolute banger. Aldo coming off the win against Tito <clears throat> Vera. Pedro coming off the win against Jimmy Rivera. Uh, two top ten guys. Always in exciting fights for the most part. And, uh, I mean, really, that Pedro Munoz, Jimmy Rivera, that's another low-key fight of the year I think a lot of people, like, forget about. But it was yeah. good, too. And uh, this has all the makings to be another fight of the year contender, uh, just potentially. I, I definitely agree there. I mean, Aldo, you know, that guy's – always in some wars, man. And Munoz kind of is the same way. You know, we, we've seen this kind of evolution of a guy that at one time always had the ground advantage on his opponents. And now yeah. he's, he's a guy that'll stand and trade with you. He's got good power in his hands. You know, he kind of reminds me a lot. Now he's starting to become more and more like his older brother, Mark Munoz, who oh, yeah. was another ground specialist who just had really <laughs> knockout power and, sort of leaned into that later in his career. Um, Pedro, though, I really like him. I really think he can make some more noise like he kind of did back in 2019. Um, Went over Aldo, puts him into the top five, probably a win away from a title fight. I know the top of Bantamweight's kind of a mess right now. This whole division, man. (laughs) And and it sucks because it's such a good division. I mean, it's so stacked. It just sucks that you have a champion who doesn't really feel like a proper champion because he wins the belt via DQ. In a fight he was losing, and now he's out with neck. <laughs> he's healing from neck surgery. Um, it's it's kind of a mess right now, but this fight should be good. And by August, hopefully, we'll have some direction at least. Couldn't have said it better there. I can't wait for that fight. It's a banger. So that's our last fight announcement. But as for the rest, the rest, baby. Starting with Tatiana Suarez, Dominic. I know this ooh, one's going to make you happy. Hey, I've been waiting. ESPN's Ariel Hawani reported in an interview with Tatiana Suarez on Wednesday, she has been cleared to return and is looking to make a move up to the women's flyweight division. Dominic, I I think, um, first off, really glad that she's cleared to return. That's been a big question with her for a while. She's, She's a really good wrestler, really accredited wrestler, and she's got serious neck and upper back injuries that have held her back for years, which is kind of a wrestler's kryptonite. However, cleared to return, little surprise she's making a move up the flyweight. But honestly, strawweight's so stacked that I look at it like the more talent that move into that flyweight division, the better for that division. Yeah, and I think she's a very interesting stylistic fight for Valentina should she ever get there. And it's also worth noting, she said, now I'm not permanently moving to 125. I want to test it out a few times, see how my body feels. Because she was saying her past few fights at 115, she's just kind of felt like like shit, basically, the last mm-hmm. or the days after the fight, I should say. Uh, so she's not 100% done because she said she only walks around at like 130, 135. So fighting at 125, she's not going to be very big. Uh, so it'll be very interesting. But, man, she's one of the best female fighters in the world. It's been two years come June that we've seen her fight. I'm so ready to see her back because she could be a champion right now for all we know. I truly believe that. I know you're very big on her. I, I couldn't disagree with you there, though. I mean, she really does have that kind of potential. She has that kind of aura about her. It's like a, she feels like when you watch her, it feels like you're watching a female Habib. The female so Habib, you, man. Like when you, see, when you see the heights Habib went to, there's no question that she can kind of replicate some of that if if she her body can really hold up. Um I do like this move for her, though. I like the fresh matchups at 125, oh, fights yeah. with Cynthia Calvillo, Jennifer Maya, Joanne Calderwood, and, of course, Andrade, and then the champ, Shevchenko. Yeah. Uh, Caitlin Chukagian as well, who just won her last fight. Um, you know, she's she always – she feels – I'm surprised that she doesn't cut that much weight because she feels, like, very big for – I know. Uh, she even that. looks bigger than a lot of them, too. It, it's weird because she carries herself – She's very strong, wide, just a a wrestler to the core. So, uh, yeah, man, I'm curious to see how her body holds up, how she performs, how long she goes 125. Does she go back and forth, being that she's right there at 130? A lot of potential for her. Still so young, so that's the good Mm -hmm. thing about, you know, it sucks she missed two years, but she's still young. So, How old is she? Ooh, you got to do it off the top of my head. I believe definitely under 30 still. That's that's more what I was looking for yeah, there. Yeah. Um, that's good. She's on the she's on the good side there for being yeah. someone who had some injury problems. I mean, really, her career path is kind of going a lot like Habib's did. Habib had nearly two years off for injuries yeah, true, true. at one time. So 
Um, yeah, really looking forward to her return and um, just want to see kind of who she might go up against. She said August or September is when she's eyeing to return. So yeah, man, we probably will hear about it pretty soon, I would imagine. Not too long from now. I'm ready. <laughs> that's going to wrap up the UFC news, but we do have one last piece here for the rest, and that's a card happening tonight. Bellator 259. Headlined by the women's featherweight title fight between Chris Cyborg and Leslie Smith. This is a rematch. This was the fight that introduced Chris Cyborg to the UFC audience back at UFC 198. So it's very interesting to see now these two squaring off again in Bellator. And um, I think I I think what's funny is this main event might be one. It's a good fight, but it's one that I'm a little less excited for than let's say some of these other fights and i'll kind of run down the card and then dom you can give me your thoughts at bantamweight the former bellator bantamweight champion darian caldwell going up against number six ranked leandro higo at middleweight number three austin vanderford also known as uh, mr van zant <laughs> yeah. going up against number four fabian edwards that's leon edwards brother big deal and then <laughs> welterweight jaleel willis and macon mendonca and Women's flyweight, the lovely Valerie Loretta going up against Hannah Guy. I mean, honestly, Dominic, you know, Bellator, since they made this move to Showtime, has been really killing it with their cards, and this is another one. The main event, uh, do you really give Leslie Smith too much of a chance here? Maybe not, but Just the, the rest of that card. That, yeah, that's true, but the rest of this card is stacked up to be yeah. a lot of bangers here, especially that co-main and then the third fight. I'm really excited to see how those go. Oh, Vanderford and Edwards, dude. That's the one. I'm definitely mm-hmm. excited for that. Two guys ranked third and fourth, uh, close to a title fight. Austin's undefeated. Uh, he has so much hype around him. I could definitely see him in the UFC down the line. But the Bellator seems to love this guy, market him a lot. He's kind of one of their stars, especially for that division. Uh, those are all great fights. And I'm going to tell you, my ass needs to buy Showtime. I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's it's becoming more and more of a necessity for guys like us, right? Yeah. We get put in this position as guys to talk about MMA. I know, man. And now, and now all these all these promotions want to start making us pay money to Got to pay for them. everything. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, I think it's a really good card. I, I particularly think uh, Darian Caldwell, who – Kind of, he he former bantamweight champion, but recently was making a run at featherweight in the featherweight Grand Prix. Got to the semifinals where he lost to AJ McKee in a nasty neck crank uh, kind of submission, I guess you want to call it. Uh, but now he's back at bantamweight, going up against number six Ego. Yeah. It'll be a good test to see kind of how he stacks up to this top of bantamweight now that just recently he crowned the new champion in Sergio Pettis. Um, Ooh, so yeah, I, I definitely, definitely look looking forward to see kind of how he stacks up to the rest of that division. Yeah, that's a great point. Who knows the winner of that could maybe find themselves against Archuleta. You never know for like a number one contender <laughs> that's fight. True. That's that, true. That's, that division is really exciting now with Sergio as the champion. I completely agree with you there, but uh, I think that's going to kind of wrap it up. Any final thoughts for Bellator 259? No, I'm excited for it. And of course, we'll uh, give it a little bit of a recap on Monday as well. Mm-hmm. Of course, but uh, that's going to wrap it up for today's edition of the news the news <laughs> it's time to get into some fight previews Dominic. oh baby and you know we're gonna try to switch it up a little bit here and i'm gonna actually let you take the lead i'm gonna let you get in the get take the steering wheel kid oh, it's your I'm, turn to drive uh, so now all this pressure you, on me you got your nitty-gritty but now you're taking over this is your time to shine kid hey let's get into it UFC Vegas 27 starts off with a banger, a middleweight banger, Jack Hermanson, Edmund Shabazian. I'm very much looking forward to this fight, a fight that was supposed to happen at 262. Uh, Now, of course, we're getting it this weekend. The nitty-gritty, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Jack Hermanson, 21-6. and He's 8-4 and in the UFC with 11 KOTKOs, six submissions. He's got 10 of those finishes in the first round. Notable wins against guys like Talis Latis via TKO. Gerald Mearchart submission, David Branch submission, uh, a decision over Jacques Ray Souza, who we just saw at UFC 262. Uh, and then that ultra impressive, but also weird submission <laughs> against Kelvin Gastelum. Uh, and then a few notable losses, Cesar Fajera via submission. Uh, he's been TKO'd by Tiago Santos and Jared Kianier. And then his most recent outing, that awesome five-round main event with Marvin Vittori. That fight was incredible. For Edmund, 
the golden boy, if I'm not mistaken, is his nickname. He's 11 and one. He's four and one in the UFC. Came in from the contender series, so want to know him there. He's got nine KOTKOs, one submission, all ten of those finishes in the first round. We love that. Notable wins already in his young UFC career against Darren Stewart via split decision, and he KO'd Brad Tavares. And then the only loss of his career and in the UFC, Derek Brunson, and that was via TKO, man. So definitely that was his biggest test so far, but he's still getting quite a big test here in Jack Hermanson. I completely agree with you. This is a big test for a young fighter in Shabazian who kind of got pushed. I, I guess you could argue he got pushed a little quick. I think Derek yeah. Brunson's proven, though, that he's just a tough out for anybody. But, True. you know, Shabazian being so young and his best win before that being Tavares, maybe it was the proper next step for him. But I think since he got lost or since he lost and it kind of lost in a pretty, I would say, one-sided fight. Yeah. I've been a little not on board with this matchup for him. I think this is just a dangerous guy to be throwing him back up against. You know, you go from fighting Brunson, who at the time he fought him was maybe lower than what Jack Hermanson's ranked right now yeah. or around the same spot. And then you give him Hermanson, who is just as dangerous of an opponent and just his game as well. Um, but as far as stylistically in this fight here, what I do love about it is that both guys have clear routes to victory. Shabazian is just an awesome striker. The guy is a killer on the feet. He, he really – he does very well with the distance control, and then once he hurts you, he's good at kind of closing that distance yeah. and then finishing you. That's big for him. He's got a really good finishing ability, which I think can carry him in case maybe, let's say, his cardio is not that great in the later rounds, things True. like that. He's he's very good at once he hurts you, he doesn't lay off. For Hermanson, we know how good he is on the ground. So slick with his submissions. That Kelvin Gaslam one, which is, of course, very weird because yeah. – it it had yeah. he, he caught he caught Kelvin in at once. Kelvin got out, and then Kelvin kind of put himself back in place to get caught by it again. But you kind of have to credit Hermanson's abilities to kind of trap him into that again. I mean, that's this is true. That's, that's just how good of a submission specialist Hermanson is. But he's also a guy to carry some power on the feet as well. Yeah, Shabazian's ground game is still mostly unproven. Um, I would say that I, I still doubt he's going to have an advantage over that one no matter how good he is against Hermanson. Um, really, the what it comes down to here is can Shabazian keep distance and kind of pick his strikes, uh, keep moving around the octagon, while for Hermanson, who I think is going to be the slightly bigger fighter here. He's a big can, dude, man. Can Hermanson get his hands on him, close that distance, and drag Shabazian to the ground? I say I think Shabazian bounces back here. I look for Shabazian to kind of – that uh, that Derek Brunson lost to kind of be uh, an awakening for him, uh, yeah. a teaching moment, and I think he gets right back on track. I think he actually does get it done here with a second round TKO uh -oh. KO for Edmund Shabazian. I love you, Jack. I love you. I'm sorry, but I I, I got to go with the Golden Boy on this one. I think this is a very fun stylistic fight. Again, shocked <laughs> they're throwing Edmund back against another top ten guy, but it shows how much they believe in the kid. He mm -hmm. has a lot of star potential and a lot of potential in general just to crack through these rankings, fight these top guys and beat these top guys. But I love me some Joker, Noah. I think he's going to be hungry coming off of that main event loss to Vittori in a fight that he did get dropped. So look for that because, again, Edmund is going to be a stud on the feet. That's what he's yeah. known for. But Jack is no slouch on the feet. I think he plays it relatively safe. I think it's going to be a pretty technical battle. I look for maybe – maybe some grappling exchanges or some clinch work to make the ultimate difference. I'm going Jack Hermanson in a razor close decision victory. Yeah, I definitely could see that. I think the longer this fight goes, the more it might actually favor the submission specialist, which is not something that most people usually say. That's true. But, uh, that's why I'm not very good at making picks. Anyways, <laughs> next fight, <laughs> next fight. Dom. You're good. Noah. come on. <laughs> Hey, we've got some flyweight boys coming to action. We David, love flyweight. War flyweights. We love flyweights on this podcast. If you don't like flyweights, then leave. No, I'm just kidding. Stay, stay, <laughs> because we're going to tell you why you should love flyweights, beautiful, baby. Beautiful. David Dovrak? So I'm going to I'm going to treat this last name like I treat uh, Marab. Okay. Who spells it? You know the DV. 
I say Valish Vili. So I'm going to say David Vorak. David Vorak vor, vor, versus, versus <laughs> Rollian Paiva. Huh? Thoughts? I like it. You know, I, I now that you're taking the lead here, you're in charge you of uh, pronunciation. That's why you did this. <laughs> you freaking. Oh, anyways. <laughs> Flyweights are in action. David is 19-3, and 2-0 in the UFC. He's got eight KOTKOs, seven submissions. Nine of those 15 have came in the first round. Already has notable wins against guys like Bruno Silva and Jordan Espinoza and Noah. Coming into this bout, He's on a 15-fight win streak. That's pretty good. It's pretty hey, good. Hey, but we got Rawlian. I really hope that's how you say his name. That can't <laughs> be right, but that's what I'm saying. <laughs> he is 20-3, and 2-2 two and two in the UFC. He's got four KOTKOs, three submissions, so really a complete opposite fighter in terms of the amount of finishes. Uh, three of those seven have came in the first round. He's got a notable win against Mark De La Rosa. That was via KO. Uh, two notable losses, though, in the UFC, Kai Carr, France via decision, and also got TKO'd by Rogerio Bontarin. So, fun fight here. We got a finisher and a guy that can finish but likes to go the distance. Mm-hmm. But I'm telling you right now, anyone that's on a 15-fight win streak, woo, man, that stands out to me quite a bit. So is that what you're kind of thinking here? Are you thinking that the, the Vorak, who might be the more safer fighter, but – potentially have less of a, um, I guess, less of a true, uh, what do you, master, like, skill. You know, Paiva appears to be very good on the ground. Yeah. While for Borak, maybe it's less known kind of where does he really specialize at? Is there anywhere he's truly elite at? I mean, when you got a a guy with eight KOs and seven subs, I mean, (laughs) jack of all trades here. I know. So what are you kind of thinking here for this matchup? Let's get a finish in. Why not? This guy's finished 15 out of 19. Let's mm-hmm. make it 16 out of 20 going into this one. I'm going David Vorak. Second round KOTKO, Noah. Mm, Let's have some fun here now. Interesting. I like it. I like the you, – you, you went decision on the first fight. I went finish – now you go finish on the second fight. I'm going to go decision. Okay, <laughs> so okay. It's only right to do that. I see but what I'm we're also, doing here. I'm going to go with the same winner and David Vorak. Um, really what it comes down to here is, and is this really fair? Maybe not. But Paiva's kind of in the UFC stumbled a bit. Yeah. Particularly stumbled when he's faced competent strikers or even good strikers like Kai Kara France. True. Um, because of that, I think Vorak has a clear advantage when it comes to this matchup. And um, I think he plays it safe, though, and gets a decision win, carries on that win streak, and looks towards the upper half of the top 10, I would say. Yeah, man. I mean, the winner of this obviously at least should crack into top 10. And in a division like this that is getting better, uh, more competitive, a couple very good wins or convincing wins you still can skyrocket up the ranks. So it's true. That's this true. should be a, a low key banger, dare I say. So I'm looking forward to it. We're always looking forward to when the flyweights go to action. Of course. Next, Next up, <laughs> there we go. We're just in sync, man. <laughs> hey, women's featherweight division, the most stacked division in the entire UFC, Noah. Are you ready mm-hmm. for this? <laughs> Former title challenger, Felicia Spencer, <laughs> making her return after her title fight loss to Amanda Nunes. She is eight and two, two and two in the UFC. She's got two KOTKOs, four submissions. So six out of eight via finish. We love that. Four of those six in the first round. Uh, notable win against Megan Anderson and actually got the submission victory there. Uh, and then her notable losses. <laughs> I mean, could we have anyone with only two <laughs> losses and being more notable? Chris Cyborg via decision in a fight, I must add, she did have her moments. I, I got to mm-hmm. say it. And then, of course, the five-round war with Amanda Nunes, where, of course, it was all Amanda. But, man, is Felicia Spencer one of the toughest pound-for-pound fighters on the whole roster? I was about to say that. I mean, she lost. Oh, man. She's lost. What's funny is she's lost eight rounds straight coming into this fight. And yet that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about, I mean, she took so much damage in those fights but never seemed to be close to being out of it. I mean, you're going up against two of the best women's fighters of all time, if not the two best. The two, yeah. and yet she hung in there with him. And even in that cyborg fight, you're right, showed a lot of heart. 
And yeah, man. Even in the Nunez fight, doing the same, just a little more one-sided. Hey, and I got to add, Spencer is a former But go ahead and uh, continue. Yeah, uh, she's a former Invicta featherweight champion. Had to throw that in there. But she is fighting Norma Dumont. This is an interesting stylistic fight. Norma's 5-1. and one. She's only had two fights in the UFC. Uh, she's 1-1. One and one. She's got two submissions out of the five. Both of those have came in the first round. The notable win, Ashley Evans-Smith via decision. And then her lone notable loss of her career uh, and in the UFC came to Megan Anderson. So both these girls, again, I was joking, obviously, when I said this is the most stacked division. But not in a rude way. It's just there's not many people <laughs> in the division. There's not a division. It's not a division. So these two combined have essentially fought the entire roster in that weight class. So, <laughs> yeah. What are your thoughts, though, Noah, on this one? Seriously, like stylistically. Well, I will say – I thought Norma looked really good in her last fight against Ashley Evan Smith. That was a big one yeah. for her against a veteran. However, caveat being that Ashley Evan Smith is a natural bantamweight. Norma is big, so she is a more natural featherweight. Yeah. Um, but Felicia Spencer, I already kind of talked about her heart and everything. Her capabilities on the ground, particularly her jiu-jitsu, fantastic. Um, it's kind of when the fight stays on the feet that she just finds herself in trouble, and that's what happened in these Cyborg and Nunes fights, if she can get the fight to the ground, which she had a really hard time doing in those two losses, you know, she can have a good a good day, but if she can't get that fight to the ground, it's going to be tough. Yeah. I think she does in this matchup. I think she bounces back here. I think she does get this fight to the ground. I don't know if she, I don't know if she's ever going to really submit Norma Dumont, um, but I do think that she does get a uh, decision win for Felicia Spencer. Yeah, I do think the grappling is going to have to play the biggest factor here, especially Mm -hmm. for Spencer. And if you're Norma, yeah, you've got two submission victories out of your five, but you're probably, especially in the power department, she's going to hold more. She's very physically strong, uh, Norma Dumont. So in the striking, I give it to Norma in this one. Not that Felicia can't hang, but I think Spencer does implement a grapple-heavy style, whether that's the clinch in – inevitably landing some takedowns, some control time. She's going to look for the finish, but I agree with you. I don't think she will get it. Uh, I'm going Felicia Spencer bouncing back off of the title loss and uh, getting a decision victory over Norma Dumont. Nice. I I definitely think this fight could be a sleeper banger. I really thought Norma's last fight with Ashley was very, very technical, very fun to watch. So I, and you know, Felicia, if she's, if she's taking some shots from Norma in here, this fight could get really interesting really quick. And we know um, she's just going to keep coming. That don't matter. You can't stop yeah. this woman. <laughs> yeah, it's I'm not going to give it – I'm not going to say fight of the night. I'm just saying this is one of the fights that's being talked about a little less and just be on the lookout for it. Well said. And now, Noah, we've got some big boys. <laughs> we've got – we've got the hey, – I saw some tweets about this on Twitter, so I just got to talk about it. There's always a fight night where they put a heavyweight fight just for the heck of it. I don't know if it's because they just assume there's going to be a knockout or whatever, but most of the time. Hey, okay. hey, I'm telling you, they shouldn't assume that. They shouldn't assume that there's going to be a I'm knockout. Because most of the time, these end up being the worst fights on the whole damn card. It's always the one that they put on the random fight night, man. It's always I'm looking. At, I'm looking at you, Jorgen DeCastro versus Carlos Felipe. That's you right. Are- I brought it up again. You were um, salivating at the bit to bring that up. I could just no, tell. I was, I was waiting. For I it. shouldn't have even said anything. I'm but you know what? My- yeah, yeah. Tafa Bandera, tell us, tell us why we should be interested here. <laughs> Justin Tafa, hey, not many fights for this guy. He's four and two, one and two in the UFC, but all four of those wins via KOTKO, two of which have came in the first round. He does have a notable win against uh, Juwan Adams. That was via TKO, obviously. And then the two losses of his career, Jorgen DeCastro. <laughs> this is actually funny. <laughs> Shout out. Well, don't say it. Don't say it. <laughs> he got KO'd by DeCastro. I know what you're going to say, but his don't other say loss, it. Uh, Carlos Felipe via split decision. <laughs> oh, so, man. Uh, yeah, thanks, Noah. This is your baby here. <laughs> other end, we got Jared Vandura. He's 11 and 5. 0-1 in the UFC, only one fight so far in the uh, promotion. He did get in from the Contender Series, so 1-0 there. He's got seven KOTKOs. There's that train. I've missed that damn train in the background. <laughs> I was wondering <laughs> if you could hear that. Um, he's got seven KOTKOs, three submissions, so that's 10 out of 11 via finish. Six of those have came in the first round. 
no notable wins just yet, but man, he has had some tough fights. Uh, he's actually lost to Henan Ferreira via submission and then got TKO'd by Sergi Spivak. So again, it's one of these heavyweight fights. Nobody's ranked. Could it be boring? Yes. Could someone get knocked out in 30 seconds? Yes. Yeah. Um, Shout out to Sergey Spivak, the polar bear, though. <laughs> yeah, uh, we do love the I polar like bear. <laughs> I like him, but uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, this, this fight's kind of a pick 'em, and I know on yeah, I know on paper, uh, based off of the resumes you kind of ran down there, Bandera might be the the more I guess appealing pick. He's got more yeah. fights, more wins, therefore, and ultimately. Yeah, his only fight in UFC is a loss, but he does have a win on the Contender Series, while Tapa has lost to a couple of heavyweights that are kind of fizzling out right now. However, right. I watched Vandera's only fight in UFC against Spivak, and I just couldn't have been less impressed. I mean, no offense to the guy. and He was going up against a tough debut in Spivak, who I really like. I really think that kid might end up being a guy that kind of crashes oh. into the top 15, top 10 here within a year. However, man, will that train shut the fuck up? <laughs> like, I'm trying to record here. But anyways. Ain't no rest however, for the wicked. Yeah, Vandera had nothing for him in that fight. Tapa at least does have that knockout power that I've seen. I'm sure Vandera does too, but I haven't seen it. Tapa, yeah. I have. I'm going to go Justin Tapa via first-round knockout. That's kind of how these heavyweight fights go. Even the guys, you know, sure, both these guys aren't don't have much credential to them or much – in the form of a resume. Right. But at the end of the day, it doesn't matter. These guys are so big that one solid punch from either one of them can end this fight. It's all so it's, it's really a pick them at the end of the day. Yeah. I'm actually going to agree with you here. I think we are going to see a KOTK. I think these guys are going to come out guns a blazing. So this one might be the one knock on wood. <laughs> I, I, already know I, where you. I don't know if you think <laughs> anyways, I think this one might be fun compared to some of the heavyweight fights we get on these fight nights. But I'm agreeing with you. I'm going Justin Taffa. Okay. I'm going first round KO TKO. I think he gets it done here. I should have said decision. You jinxed this fight. <laughs> Here, here's something for the audience. You guys, no, you, they don't need to know this. No, 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 guys. I'm cutting this. Yes. <laughs> I'm ending the recording. We're not doing the last two fights. I'm, screw you. I know we don't do any editing, so I don't want to hear it. Listen, everybody. When we watched the fights on Saturday for UFC 262, <laughs> Dominic jinxed every fight. Every I, fight. But besides the main know. event. Besides the main event. Main event. And Burgos Barboza. No, you didn't say anything about Burgos Barboza. You started talking after that fight. Whatever. After that fight, he started saying every fight that happened was going to be fight of the night, and they just weren't. And <laughs> Not you, King, you and Arujo. Well, at You're the end of that fight, no, at the end, at the end of that fight, you said, "Well, that was an obvious win for Ariujo," and guess what? She lost. So Listen, I don't want to hear it, Dom. It's Chris Lee, Saudi Amato. So, <laughs> so I guarantee because you have said that Jared Vandera is just going to hump Justin Tafa's leg for 15 minutes, and nobody's going to throw a single punch. Not a single punch. <laughs> yeah, really. Worse yeah. than Lewis and Ghani. That's what you're predicting. Oh yeah. This is going to be worse than DeCastro and All right, can we Felipe. switch? I don't want to hear you talk about that fight. Yeah, yeah. You, you have control of it. Go ahead and listen, switch it. Listen, we're going top five women's straw weights. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, essentially this is the number one contender fight. Yeah, title be. eliminator. Title, title eliminator talk right here. Jan Jaunan, Carla Esparza. I've been waiting on this one for a long time. It's mm-hmm. been in the works forever. We finally get it on Saturday. Yan Jaunan is 13-1, and 6-0 in the UFC. She's got five KOTKOs, four of which have came in the first round. Out of those six in the UFC, the latter three, Angela Hill via decision, Carolina Kovalkiewicz via decision, Claudia Gadella via decision, those latter two uh, former title challengers. Now she's riding a six-fight win streak, but in total a 12-fight unbeaten streak because there was a no-contest split in the middle. I wanted to say one streak, but I technically can't. 12 fight unbeaten streak. There we there go. go. And her lone loss, because you know I got to do it. I know she's undefeated in the UFC, but just like Kamara Usman, I got to give a shout out to that one loss. Karina Halinan at Marshall Combat 10 in 2010 via submission. Now, 
onto the former strawweight champion, the inaugural UFC women's strawweight champion, nice. Carla the yes. Cookie Monster Esparza. She's 17 and 6, 8 and 4 in the UFC. Uh, three KOTKOs, four submissions. Three of those seven have came in the first round. Notable wins against Nina Nunez. This was actually at Crowbar MMA in 2010. How do you think that event was? I mean, Crowbar <laughs> MMA, that had to have been just absolute bonkers there. Let them but, bleed. You let them bleed. Uh, that was via decision. She also beat Felice Herrig at XFC 15 in 2011 via decision. Uh, Beck Rawlings in Invicta in 2013. That was before the Ultimate Fighter, also via decision. And then the UFC run. She's got wins over Rosnami Hunas. That was, of course, to become the champion. She submitted her there. She's got decision wins against all of the following. Cynthia Calvillo, uh, Verna Jandaroba, Alexa Grasso, Michelle Watterson, and Marina Rodriguez. She's riding a four-fight win streak coming into this. Carla is truly having a bit of a career resurgence right now. Her and Tisha Torres both. But Tisha, we got to keep out of this. She's not in the fight. What am I saying? <laughs> Notable losses for Carla. Joanna young Jacek. that's who she lost the title to. That was via KO. Absolutely brutal. Mm-hmm. Uh, lost a split decision to Randa Marcos and Claudia Gadella. And then got TKO'd by the aforementioned Tantiana Suarez. Fun fight here now. Again, we love title eliminators. This is a big one. Yeah, I got to give a shout out to Carla Esparza for that career resurgence you're talking about. Who would have thought when she lost this belt to Joanna Young Jacek the way she did in the fashion she did? Who would have ever thought we would see her back in this position? I know I didn't. Yeah. I really thought she was kind of this gatekeeper role where it was like, okay, if you can beat Carla, maybe you can hang with the, the true contenders of this division. But right. if you can't get past Carla, then you're kind of in the back back half of top 15. Yeah. However, she's kind of taken on all of these challengers. And has she lost a couple fights here and there? Sure. But, I mean, some of those wins you're talking about are very, looking better and better. The Marina Rodriguez win, hello. Oh, man. I mean, I thought, I thought she looked really good in that fight. I actually was really impressed. Yeah. Now she's going up, though, against Yan Zhao Nan, who is just such a smart fighter. Yeah, you know, we so technical, seen, man. We, yeah, we haven't we haven't seen any of that finishing capability that she showed before the UFC. It's higher competition. Yeah, it. it's it, it happens, but she's kind of good everywhere. I mean, truly. Yes. Um, yes. But ultimately, Carla's the wrestler of the two. She's going to look to get this fight to the ground. She's going to look to kind of just maintain top control over Zhao Nan. Use kind of her, not size because she's small. But right. use her her ability. She's very strong wrestling. too. Very strong, I guess. That use her strength to just keep Zhao Nan there. I would assume Asparza might be the stronger of the two. I don't. I don't know that. Right. For Zhao Nan, I think she looks to keep this fight on the feet. If it does to go to the ground, we'll see. Kind of maybe what her submission capabilities are. Even on her back, can she put up some slick submissions? I wouldn't be surprised. But I do foresee this fight having a hard time for Esparza to get to the ground. Maybe she steals around by doing it. Right. Ultimately, though, I'm leaning Yan Zhao Nan via decision, ultimately putting her right behind Wei Li or Yoana yeah. or whoever for the next title shot for Rose Namajunas. So uh, I think it'll be. I think it'll be a. I don't know about if, if it's going to be a fight I'm going to be looking to rewatch anytime soon, but very technical bout. Put it that yeah, way. I mean, it's going to potentially play out here like a striker versus grappler. I think Jan's going to mm-hmm. look to keep it on the feet. There's going to be a clear advantage on the feet for her. She's very crisp, technical, precise striker. Uh, does it all, the kicks, the jabs, the hooks, all the fun stuff. Carla, she's going to want to get this fight to the mat. I think that's obvious in every mm-hmm. one of her bouts. It's not going to differ here. So can Yan Jaonan in her biggest test keep this fight standing? If she gets taken down, as you mentioned, can she get back up? Will she get submitted? Can she fight off submissions? Can she fight away from the ground and pound? Can she reverse and even end up on top of Carla? There's a lot of questions, but, man, she's 6-0 in the UFC. She's looked ultra impressive. She's on a very quick rise. I mean, look at this resume she's already racking up. This is only going to be her seventh um, UFC fight, and she's already fighting a former champion in Carla plus title challengers Carolina and Claudia. I think she gets it done. I think Yan Jaonan earns the title fight here. Rose Namajunas, going to be watching from home very, 
very um, precisely, I must say. Yeah, and I, I think Jan gets it done uh, via decision. I think she keeps it on the feet, pieces up Carla, and uh, gets it done. Shout out Carla Esparza, though. Way to oh, make man. Comeback. We love it. We love a good comeback story. Well, I think and, it's time, Dom. Hey, speaking of comeback stories, <laughs> our Ohio boy, our good friend that we've had the pleasure of meeting and talking to, True. Cody Garbrandt, is back against Rob Font. And oh my goodness gracious, I don't know how long this fight's going to last, but this is my pick for fight of the night, no matter how long it it's goes. It's my pick as well. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Rob Font, the number three ranked bantamweight, honestly, the sleeper of the division, and now as a sudden he's ranked third. I mean, fair enough. <laughs> yeah. Sleeper of the division, has to be. He's 18-4, and 8-3 in the UFC. He's got eight KOTKOs, four submissions. Uh, eight of those 12 have came in the first round. Notable wins against Matt Schnell via TKO. Submitted Douglas Silva de Andrade. TKO Thomas Almeida. Decision wins over Sergio Pettis and Ricky Simone. And then TKO'd Marlon Moraes. Uh, that was quite impressive, by the way, because he faced adversity early, got taken down, showed that he could get right back up and finish Marlon. Uh, and now he's on a three-fight win streak here, those latter three in a row. The notable losses for him, John Lineker via decision. Got submitted by Pedro Munoz and then lost the decision to Rafael Sunsau. The former champion here, Cody No Love Garbrandt, he's 12 and 3, 7 and 3 in the UFC. 10 of those 12 have came by way of the KO TKO, seven of them in the first round. Notable wins against Thomas Almeida via KO. He TKO'd uh, Takeya Mizugaki. Um, the decision win against Dominic Cruz to win the belt. One of the greatest title-winning performances you'll ever see to this day and probably for years and years to come. No one had ever done anything like that to Dominic Cruz, and that's why it was so impressive. And then, of course, Rafael Asuncao most recently, that second-round second buzzer beater, uh, KO mm -hmm. against Asuncao. Ooh, it was in talks for our KO of the year at the Joey's last year. Mm -hmm. And then notable losses. We know that he was once undefeated and went on that three-fight skid Two of those came to T.J. Dillashaw, both in title fights. One, he lost his title. The second, he got the immediate rematch, but came out on the short end both times. First time TKO, second time a KO. And then that freaking just barn burner of a fight he had with Pedro Munoz, man, where they were just slinging leather at each he other. He saw red. <laughs> he saw red, um, and he got TKO'd there by Pedro. But as we just mentioned, he's bounced back. He beat a Sunsau coming into this one. Mm -hmm. Rob Font coming in on a three-fight win streak. Noah, what are we going to see? It's the battle of the boxers here. I mean, beautiful chaos, baby. Beautiful chaos. I mean, these are guys that kind of lean into their boxing capabilities. But, you know, Rob Font, is, he is the boxer of this division. I mean, yeah. when yeah. you're talking – I mean, both these guys are probably at the top when it comes to bantamweight boxing for the UFC – but it's a level from Rob Font to Cody Garbrandt. And that's only because Cody Garbrandt has no sense of uh, defense when it comes to his striking. He's really bad about, you know, winging these right hands or left hands. He doesn't put the other hand up to his face to protect his chin, leaves his chin wide open too much. However, Cody is also a very good wrestler. That's true. And not a lot of people know that yeah. because – he never shows it. <laughs> and but he is very good. Yeah. Yeah. Ultimately, if you look at Font's resume, that appears to be the only way to really beat him. If you look at the fight with Marais, which was Font's last win, yeah. That was the most success Marais had in that fight was when he got that fight to the ground. Got he him down keep, quick too. He got him down quick. So getting the takedown looked easy, but it was holding him there that was the yeah. harder part. Font was able to kind of even in the first round when they're not sweaty, things like yeah. that, he was able to sneak right out. If Cody can really threaten with the takedown here, this fight could get really interesting because nobody has faster hands than Cody Garbrandt. That's it's true. just if you're going to go tit for tat with Rob Font on the feet, that's going to be a tough one to win, especially when I think the questions about Cody's chin are a little overblown, if I'm being honest. Yes, I yeah. know. Three three losses back to back to back via finish. But, but this is a guy who got he took bombs before yeah. he went down. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I'm not too worried about his chin. It's just again when he gets kind of wrapped in or pulled into these yeah. firefights and he doesn't protect himself, 
then he's just asking to lose like he did against Munoz, like he did against Dillashaw. I mean, it's it's kind of frustrating to watch sometimes because you look at the guy who won the Bantamweight belt from Dominic Cruz. He, he That was a near flawless performance. Oh, yeah. Against maybe the best Bantamweight of all time. Yeah. And, you know, the Sunset was a nice step in that direction, but he still wasn't really protecting himself on the feet. True. He did just happen to land a beautiful shot that he set up really well and that he kind of lured a Sun Tzu into. So it's really complicated fight here, if you can't yeah. tell. I mean, this is this is a tough fight to predict, but Dominic, are you even surprised who I'm going to go with here? I mean, it's it, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to support the Ohio boy. It runs in the blood, baby. I, Rob Font, very underrated. Uh, I think even a loss here, this guy could still be fighting for a belt oh, like yeah. in the next year or two. Um, and hopefully if he, you know, if this fight is a fight of the night, he's going to get the respect he deserves. I see it getting finished in the second round for both guys sakes. I hope so. I hope it goes a little bit longer than just a round. I'm going to go Cody Garbrandt via second round KOTKO. So yeah, two of the, probably the best pure boxers in the, um, in this division, Rob Font fight. Now that the new England cartel with Calvin Cater and all those guys, they're known for their boxing, so it's mm-hmm. no surprise. And Cody, like you mentioned, he's got that grappling, really, truly like elite-level grappling. He's a great, like, American-style wrestler, but we mm-hmm. never, ever get to see it. And are we really going to see it here? Let's be honest. Come on. I'd be shocked if we did. <laughs> I will say, Cody's saying this is kind of like a Cody Garbrandt 2.0 here. Even that fight against Sun Sal, like you said, looked a little bit better defensively. Uh, but still got hit a little bit. He's saying he's going to have a better performance now, feels better now than he going into that dominant cruise fight. Now, <laughs> is he blowing smoke? I don't know, maybe, because that performance was just chef's kiss. But, man, if he really does put it all together, even, like you said, maybe just threatens with a takedown or just gets into Rob's head like, hey, it's here, and then can get the hands going. We see how That's fast he is. Yeah, with the hand speed, man, and – Rob can get into some firefights too. This has all the makings of a fight of the night. Ultimately, though, I think no matter who wins, there's going to be a finish. I think Cody Garbrandt puts two in a row here. I think he's really hungry to get that title fight back at 135. I think he's hungry to go down and fight for a title at 125. And a win here puts you close to essentially both of them. And uh, I think he bounces back, not without some adversity. I really think Rob's going to have his fair share of uh, exchanges that go to his favor. Mm-hmm. But I'm going Cody Garbrandt. You went second round? Yeah. Man, it's hard for me to say it's going to go past the second round. But for fun, I'll go third round KOTKO for Cody Garbrandt. Just bleed. <laughs> Just bleed. It's going to be brutal violence uh, all the way up until then. That I can assure you. Hopefully. This is this is a little besides the point, but can we, uh, we need to start coming up with other names besides fighter name 2.0. I'm getting tired of Whitaker 2.0 and Ortega 2.0 and Cody 2.0. But they're all so good. They are showing a lot of growth. But, damn it, I'm tired of everybody being 2.0. Where was this before? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. So, you and me, we have a personal private meeting off camera. We'll come up with new nicknames. There we go. There we go. I like the sound of that. Um, But that's going to pretty much wrap it up here for our preview of UFC Vegas 27. Dominic, I don't even need you for the start times this time because I have them. Perfect. Prelims start at 4 p.m. Eastern Eastern Standard Time. Main card starts at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Make sure to check those out. They're all on ESPN Plus, correct? Yes, all ESPN Plus. uh, I believe. Okay, okay. That's what I thought. So make sure to check those out. But as for next week, Monday, be on the lookout for the recap, results and recap episode, talking about the fights we just talked about here, uh, who's next for those fighters, along with the news, anything that happens between now and then. Uh, Wednesday, we don't have a special episode planned right now, but if you guys would like to see something, maybe another edition of what we introduced this past Wednesday yeah, in a Reddit roundtable, or if you want to see another episode of like this or that or the state of things that we have made kind of staples here let us know and maybe we'll consider doing a back-to-back you know we're really in the honeymoon phase of doing video podcasts yeah. right now yeah so i'm, I'm not going to be opposed to jumping on for two weeks in a row on a wednesday 
and then obviously Friday, it's going to be preview time again, and the heavyweights shine. Oh, wait, 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 get... wait, wait, wait. No. Next Friday, no preview. There's Correct. no fight. I, yeah. Sorry. No, you're I... good. I, I <laughs> forgot to. May 29th, no fight, so no mm. preview next Friday. But go ahead. Yeah, um, I'll just stop there because okay, fair uh, enough. That, that's the June 5th card that I was yeah. about to start talking about. We'll tell about. you on Monday. <laughs> so be on the lookout for episodes on Monday and then Wednesday potentially. Just let us know what you want to see and uh, maybe we'll maybe we'll throw you a bone. I don't know. Yeah. But uh, until then, Dominic, tell the good people where they can find you on social media. Well, here's what's cool. If you're watching on YouTube, <laughs> you guys can even see it now. But we got to look out for our Spotify, our Apple, our Google mm-hmm. listeners, all those audio platforms as well. You can find me on Twitter, on Instagram, at dcelie 14 More importantly, at the top of the screen there, find the podcast on Twitter, on Instagram, at B-A-J underscore MMA podcast. And as for me... You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at ntbaker underscore. If you go there in my bio, there's a link to our link tree that contains all the links to all the platforms that the podcast is on, along with social media platforms for our podcast. So the Twitter and Instagram for the below average shows is on there as well. And there's a couple links for our anchor page. Shout out to anchor, the sponsor of this episode. First link, leaving a voice message you can go there and leave a voice message about potentially a topic for our reddit roundtable or if you just want to tell us thoughts you have about upcoming fights or news stories you can do it there and there's a link if you want to become a supporter of the podcast i know i can't throw a video podcast into some money uh, we have one now so we, we can't really one. i can't really appeal to you guys there however if you guys would like to support this podcast financially, you can do it with the link there. Become a supporter of the podcast. We're looking to find ways to kind of incentivize that down the yeah, road. Yeah. But um, any support is appreciated as we look to kind of keep growing this thing. Ultimately, it's going to make more, put more money out of our pocket into it. And if you guys want to see a better, higher produced podcast, you know, it, any support will help kind of make that happen quicker. But that's it. We're out. And we're going to see y'all on Monday. (laughs) Bye-bye.